Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. And heroes, this week we have an incredible treat for you. We're playing Casket Land by Marie Enger. Casket Land is a weird western powered by the apocalypse. You might be familiar with Marie from their work in comics, most notably Fatagon and Loathing, but they've also done covers for lots of titles, like the Dungeons and Dragons run of Rick and Morty. And Marie's comics background is one of the coolest and most interesting things about Casketland. There's a lot of really cool game design stuff in Casketland, but what really excites me is how much of the world building is driven by Marie's art. The description of Casketland on Marie's site calls it a bleak occult western role-playing game with a focus on making difficult decisions as a group. A brutal cross of southwestern gothic, the Dust Bowl, Mad Max, and Vampire Hunter D. Casketland centers around a dying town cut off by rows of caskets and vicious monsters unearthed by extreme drought and brutal winds. And while that's a decent foundation, Casketland allows players to fill in the gaps, with the only other real guidance coming from the art that Marie puts in both the rulebook and a few handsomely printed zines. They're full of these amazing black and white ink drawings that have a real grungy punk rock feel to them. The group I'm playing with really got to stretch our creative muscles in filling out the details of Casketland, and this first session has a lot of that world building. Uh, speaking of our group, I think most of you are here because of our guest, Matt Mercer. So I should probably take some time and say, hello. On one shot, our mission is to play as many different role-playing games as possible. We'll sit down and record a three or four hour session, and then post our adventure every week in hour-long episodes. I think this run is going to be four or five episodes long. So if you're a fan of Matt and his amazing voices, please stick around because this is going to be a great adventure. This first week mostly centers on world building, though, which I think is a really fun and important part of the game. And this also gives you some great insight into Matt's behind-the-scene processes. Moving back to Casketland, you can actually play this game for free. Just head to casket-land.com and download the rules and character sheets. If you love what you hear here, and you want more guidance on how to play, Marie has published several zines, which look really incredible and give you scenarios to play with. We're playing with the first zine that they published. And I gotta say, I think I could run this scenario a thousand times and it would be different every time. And that's a hallmark of really fun design. Finally, before we get into the show, I want to give a quick content warning for this adventure. We're playing with the Western genre, which is frankly a loaded box full of snakes. The idea of the Western narrative is deeply steeped in colonialist culture. Foundationally, there are a lot of toxic elements baked into it. On top of that, some of the character backgrounds in this particular session might be difficult for some people to listen to. One character lost a child due to community scarcity, and another was ostracized by society due to their physical appearance after a terrible accident. I treat these characters with respect, dignity, and sensitivity, but I understand that some themes are difficult for certain listeners. So please be forewarned that that's coming up. Well, with all that out of the way, let's dive into Casketland. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. And first up is Addison Peacock. Addison, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Addison, <laughs> to those who do not follow your illustrious career, please uh, tell us. <laughs> Uh, what are some cool things that you do that we can... Well, uh, illustrious certainly is a word to describe it, uh, but I, uh, um, I've i been doing The Cryptid Keeper, a podcast with uh, Alex Flanagan for the last couple of years. Uh, we cover folklore, cryptids, cryptozoology, all that good stuff. Yeah, don't downplay that because no, that, it's fair. <laughs> I assume that show has saved my life multiple times. Because we also of all the... did our live show in July with uh, the Skyjacks crew, which was really fun. Um, I also am a uh, cast member on the No Sleep podcast. If you're a horror fiction fan, I've been with them for about three years now. Uh, and then other than that, I just kind of am on Twitter and in grad school and doing stuff. All right. All right. Uh, and since we're going to be playing a Western today, and I'm kind of curious about the different influences that people are bringing to the table, uh, what is your favorite Western anything? It can even be vaguely inspired. Well, James, my favorite Western is the two-part episode of Community, A Fistful of Paintballs. Yes! Yes. Okay. I mean, very good. Thank you. Very, very good. I try. <laughs> 
that that I think that is actually my favorite paintball episode. Everybody it's is really It's the best jazzed. paintball episode. It's that one is so good. Speaking of, no, we got we got another voice that just came on and that's Tyler Davis. Tyler, welcome back to the show. Hey. It's been a minute since I've been on a one shot on one shot. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. the last one shot that you did. It wasn't I don't think it was Shinobi Gami, was I it? I was thinking of Shinobi Gami, but I don't know if that was it. That was Unless years it was, ago. Yeah. Cuz that was that was honestly how one like it was maybe one right before and you, then yeah i think you did uh red markets which was a fucking delight yeah to have you on for that and then we had the 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 break off of campaign mm-hmm. and then yeah, yeah. That, that's how it's been johnny has never been on one shot he's er, except for the campaign episodes of one yeah. shot whenever people get put on campaign like that's that's their jail yeah is that they have to be on that show you said it not me no. <laughs> uh, tyler plug your stuff what what we got going i'm out here just trying to find some footing man uh if you're in town if you're in the la area around like january uh we're gonna be doing the cbs uh, diversity showcase at the el portal theater i will uh, go to that come through yeah uh, come through and um outside of that uh you can hear my voice on your other podcast yes, yes, uh, yes skyjack's campaign if you have not listened to tyler play Jonet kessler the most endearing and heartwarming character of all time who Aww. also commits a lot of murders a lot of murder <laughs> man uh, you know what i've been very early on it like when that first murder happened i was like we're just gonna just blow past this. He's gonna be a sweet, sweet boy who is comfortable taking life. Um, we're gonna we're gonna figure that one out. I promise eventually. you. Oh, the retcon will be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to be. We here. retcon nothing. We'll explain. <laughs> That's the prison I put us in. Uh, I gotta know, Tyler. What is your favorite Western anything? Um, I really enjoy. Now it's one of those things. I'll say this, and I'll be like, I cannot tell you too much about it because it's been so long since I've seen it. Of course. But there was an anime that came through the Toonami circuit uh, maybe a decade ago called Desert Punk. And it was like this weird steampunk meets Western like mashup genre. It had the voice of, I think, Edward Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. And it was just this kid who was like every week was um, he was taking a new job and he had um, a shotgun and a grappling hook that was harnessed to his back. So he was just like (laughs) flying everywhere, just shooting and like making trajectories. And I was like, I'm all about this. That's very cool. Desert punk. Check it out. Definitely bring in some of that steampunk stuff. Yeah. good to me uh and next up we got matt mercer uh premiering on one shot for the first time thanks so much for inviting me i'm excited to come play with you guys the last time we got to record together i think was for jordan's charity thing yeah yeah Um, it's been a while it's gonna be fun to actually play (laughs) i know i'm excited it's gonna be great uh so matt uh so people know where can they find your work one half of my work is as a voice actor cartoons and video games worked on Overwatch, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Attack on Titan, stuff like that, and a bunch of other cartoons and video games and stuff. Uh, yeah, you're um, kind of burying the lead because you've uh, done a couple voice parts on Miraculous Ladybug. Yeah. Oh, that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smaller stuff there. But uh, also, I'm the Dungeon Master for Critical Role with me and a bunch of other voice actors play D&D on our own stream uh, video podcast thing. Very cool. Yeah. We're excited to have you for this. We're making you stray outside of the D&D world. And I'm very excited for this because obviously I think one of my first like encounters with your voice where I knew it was your voice was with McCree. So just putting oh, yeah. you in a Western <laughs> setting... Uh, to me, is very exciting. That's the hard part is to, to tr- not slip into it. So I think I pick a character that isn't right in the same vein. So I'm gonna find a different a different speed. Man, you've been dropping into voices since I got here like 30 minutes ago. I'm like, yeah. this guy is is another level. It's okay. a it's a psychosis. I have to find a focus for the voices in my head. Focus, focus that psychosis. Thank you. Um, and and so Matt, I got to know what is your favorite Western? It used to be until I until I saw this show. I, I used to love Deadlands as a set. Setting, like mm-hmm. the RPG setting Deadlands, oh, yeah. the Weird West was something I loved uh, when I was, you know, playing RPGs in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, but the show Deadwood, the HBO show Deadwood, is just one of my favorite 
drama like period pieces oh yeah and uh i've watched it like once every few years or so just to get caught up again so huge fan of that <laughs> Dope. Dope, man that's very very cool well i, I think we're gonna have elements a lot of uh, of a lot of these different things because we're about to play casket land by marie enger which is a really unique powered by the apocalypse system it is weird west inspired so uh, there's a lot of deadlands rpg stuff in that in that it's the west uh but there's a lot of fantastical elements in it corpses walking around magical folkloric stuff uh stuff that i am a huge nerd for yeah i'm so excited uh (laughs) so the way this game works is there is some setting stuff uh i'm going to be playing through uh one of the adventures that's uh, laid out in this handsome little zine but a lot of the setting elements and whatnot is stuff that we come up with together uh really there's just this kind of cool punk rock grungy western art uh that is service of uh inspiration for exactly how the game works i think the best place to start though is with our characters so i want to go around the table and have people introduce which playbook they picked and we'll have you roll for uh the aspect uh, mm-hmm. that you're getting from your character. Addison, let's start off. Which playbook did you go with? I went with the Barback playbook. Okay, so the Barback is a character, quite literally, who, who is a bartender. Yes. I am very excited about this. Let's roll your die and see what aspect you're going to get before we ask some questions. Just roll one of these. Just roll one of those. It. All right. That's a six. That's a six. That's a pretty good roll to start with. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to blow it all now, and now it's, the rest of my rolls are going to be terrible. What aspect did you get? Uh, that is loving cup. What we drink, we drink together. When fighting a foe, if you choose to give aid to someone, don't roll for any modifiers. You automatically help as though you rolled a 10. Ooh, oh, nice. that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, all right, Tyler, Let's. Uh, what, what, what did you go with? Uh, I went with the Grave Diggers playbook. Um, this is very interesting because I believe I'm going to be p- playing two different characters at the same time. Yeah. So coming a duo. Um, <laughs> they are going to be named uh, Flex and Fold. Uh, and so now I'm going to roll it. Roll it. Three. And ooh, okay. They are grave robbers. The dead can't take it with them, uh, so why shouldn't you have it? The two of you have been snatching whatever goes in the ground since you were young and have amassed quite the collection. You're rich. Add 50 gold to your satchel, but at what cost? No one trusts you. <laughs> Minus one trick. However, you have any uh, you have anything anyone could ever want. Plus two when you want to bribe. Ooh. I love that. I also didn't say my name. It's oh. Bell Hemlock. Bell Hemlock. Ooh. We'll we'll be asking some uh background questions to flesh these mm-hmm. folks out, so don't worry about that. And Matt, uh what did you go with? I went with the gambler. Mm. I'm excited about that. As far as the, uh, definitely a creepy character uh, with some interesting tidbits, as opposed to rolling for an aspect, which it says specifically, you are not like the others. You Ooh. aren't bound by circumstance. So uh, I roll, I, or you roll with whatever might come your way. So because of this, all your combat is determined by a roll of the dice. When you attack with one of my attacks, is called 50-50. I roll with my creep instead of my brawn, which is good because my creep is a lot better than my brawn. But I only use one d6, and the number rolled determines what sort of attack I perform. So he's kind of like, I don't know what kind of attack I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's different <laughs> possibly every time. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's, there's stuff on your playbook that is not even... Just the front sheet, you're you're. It's laid out very like kind of differently. Yeah, I, I think all the character this. sheets are yeah, they're very, yeah. very uh, different. Some unique. variation. Dope, dope, dope. That's pretty cool. Okay, so we have all of these people uh, now that we kind of know. Okay, we've got a bar back. We've got these kind of untrustworthy, or, or a helpful bar back, even like somebody who's very good at helping people. We've got grave robbers uh, who are just made themselves very rich from it, and we've got this person who's like a little bit of a wild card. I want to start by taking a look at their community. Uh, The way Casketland works is you are part of a central town in the middle of the Casketland, this sprawling stretch of desert that has black pine uh, caskets just lined all around it. 
and you are at one of the last bastions of humanity as this setting is a little bit post-apocalyptic. Uh, for a while, there has been a well here that has supplied people with water and you know, given them the opportunity to live in this really harsh environment, but that well is starting to dry up. Um, so one of the first things that I want to know about our particular town in Casketland is what is the gathering place like? This is the place where people go to get their water. Um, and, uh, it is also the place where, you know, you'd have town meetings where, where, where people would congregate when serious things go down. And I'd like one, uh, physical aspect of it from each of you. There's like a, um, there's like a, a kind of like a podium that is centered maybe in the cent like right there in the center where the uh, whoever's like calling a meeting or the head official of the town for that for that moment sort of stands behind and speaks uh, to everyone and then at the end it would normally be tradition to at the end of the meeting there's like a, a faucet at the front of the podium mm -hmm. and it's like all right meeting adjourned let's all grab some water and so everyone would come grab a communal glass of water but that has not been used in a while now so it's now like sort of rusted over and dusty and the podium itself is kind of just like falling apart Ooh, yeah i like it and i think to begin with the podium kind of had a grungy look to yeah. it like oh, like yeah. there are a bunch of wagons that people tore apart and whatnot to build this thing um so it is I think people still congregate and uh, maybe occasionally the pump spits out some water enough to like keep people alive, but only just um, very cool. Addison, you got anything for us? Um, not as not quite as descriptive. I don't think we'll but, uh, make it descriptive. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Right. 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 Here. The, the, the tiny things I fed to James over the years that he's turned into a big, big, amazing world. Go ahead. Uh, the entryway. Um, at the center of the entryway, there is a large red door, or at least it once was red. It's uh, peeled. The paint is peeled down to the wood with only a few spots remaining. I think that is one of the only patches of color in town. Yes. Like everything else has this kind of like muted sort of browns and grays that really reflect the desert around mm -hmm. it. And like, you know, our caskets are black and white. Mm -hmm. So like that's very stark. So even though it's faded paint, it like really stands mm -hmm. out. Also, I want there to be a knocker on it, a rusted bronze knocker with a crow's head on it. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's Thank very you. cool. <laughs> uh, Matt, how about you? The the well that sits as part of this gathering place by the podium uh, was placed between two trees, two trees that signified where the town was originally built and how they found the well, because it was mm -hmm. the only place nearby that really had any water to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. However, in time, one of the trees has died entirely. They're unsure if it's I'm thinking probably it was from some sort, of, sort of disease, some sort mm -hmm. of tree type-based disease that has begun to spread into the other. So there's one dead tree in the other that's dying, and it kind of gives this this overall kind of sense of foreboding to those who live in the town that its symbol is slowly passing. Yes. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, right. So uh, we've got these two trees then. Um, I kind of think that means like the town should be named after those trees, right? Sure. Yeah. The double tree. <laughs> yup. Too late. <laughs> Welcome to the community of Doubletree. <laughs> the Hilton Doubletree. Sorry. Twin bows. Uh, so obviously we've got Mayor Hilton uh, <laughs> of Doubletree. Oh, and it's it's too late, Matt. You yeah. suggested oh, something. No. I'm sorry. This My is, damage has been done. This is ours now. <laughs> Damn it. Look what you've done. I've learned my lesson. Um, cool, cool. So yeah, I, I think that has kind of been how it's been, uh, in that as the community has, has suffered more through the lack of water, uh, the tree has deteriorated. Um, and I think part of that deterioration is people are pinning, uh, like possessions or maybe even photographs if they're very lucky of loved ones to the tree as they have passed away. Um, so it's kind of like there, there's this beautiful communal moment when, when people die in this town of like coming together uh, to congregate around and maybe everybody gets a little bit of extra pour of water as their loved one gets to place something on the tree. And just unfortunately, there have been so many things added to the tree in recent months. 
Dollar, you looked like you had an idea. Oh, well, it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, if we're doing a symbol is over symbolizing to the max, like uh, when there ever there's like a birth in double tree, you put like a memento of like the newborn like on the healthy tree, and when there's a death, you put <gasps> oh, it on. Oh, you to move the, it over. Yeah. Oh, no. What's really sad is when something gets put on the healthy tree and then has to get moved over to the. Yeah, that's yeah. heart wrenching. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. That's. <laughs> So one of the things about Casket Land that is like a part of the setting uh, that I've worked out is they have to bury their dead outside Casket Land. And there are not only the grave diggers that Tyler's playing, but there are also undertakers in the setting that prepare the dead in a specific way. And they prepare the dead in a specific way because otherwise they will rise up and return. So they have to have their bones broken. They have to be bound in a specific way and sealed inside these caskets because after they pass away, they will try to get out and terrorize the community. Hi, so does that mean that they're still waking back up? They're just broken and tied up in their... Yes. And the, the one of the things that you get to decide is what threat that is to the community. And I think instead of the dead rising up and doing violence against the living like we have in normal zombie fiction, I think they just drink water instead. So they will crawl their way to the nearest source of water and they will drink it down and dry out your wells. And then they're all just like bloated and bile Yes. Like, it's probably like to- like destroying the water. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They'll, yes. they'll, they'll sink it until they become bloated and explode and then like just disease the it's water and destroy the well. Yeah. Oh, God, and imagine how bad it gets on super quiet nights where if you listen closely, you can hear the, like the... The, the very, very low muttering of creeping, crawling, broken things trying but unable to escape from the graves below. Oh, oh yeah. So... That's that. Uh, so now that we, we kind of know our community of Doubletree and, and some of the rituals and whatnot, the community that binds it together, mm-hmm. I want to know, uh, first of all, uh, I'm going to ask, does everybody feel they, uh, tell, tell me whether you feel that you have a positive relationship with the town or a negative relationship with the town. Um, Addison, let's start with you. Why? Well, I- I don't know if I characterize it as either. I think it might be just kind of more of a neutral. I think, uh, I, I guess, positive. Like, okay. I provide people with a service and get payment in return, and I have a, I've like got a set kind of role. Have you lived in DoubleTree your whole life? Yes, I'm deciding that. <laughs> how how old is your character? Would you say? Um, I'd call her like thirty. Okay, okay. Um, so you've seen better times. Yes. Then. Um. How long has this town been suffering? I would say probably like 10 years. Oofa doofa. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. No, I love it. I love it. So like, yeah, you you sort of grew up and it was mm-hmm. kind of this oasis when, when you were very young. But like, I think, yeah, gosh, this is feeling very My husband very died when the, when the, when the, I got married when I was 19 and my husband died the, the next year when the troubles started. No. Oh my God. It feels very real in that you mm-hmm. got to grow up in kind of this beautiful, lush world. And then as soon as you became an adult and got to enter the world as like a fully, you know, independent being, things started going bad. I just made myself really sad. Mm, let's not think about our real lives no. too much. It's too late. It's fine. <laughs> it's fun being young. Uh, so... Cool. So, so yeah, you, you have sort of watched this community mm-hmm. deteriorate, um, but you have a positive relationship with it. I, I think one of the things that you have managed to preserve kind of through your, your bar and, and definitely mm-hmm. through the, the, the meeting place, like where, where people congregate, you have managed to preserve a sense of community so that mm-hmm. even though there's all this tragedy around, like people still gather and people still like take interest in one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important and kind of cool. Um, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you your next question. What is your biggest regret in life? What is the thing that haunts you at night? I'm thinking about it. You know, just easy, just softball questions, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, I need, I need terrible things to. No, to it's good. No, it's so good. Um, I think. How dark am I, how dark do you want me to get with this? This is a western, so we can get kind of bleak. I don't know. 
from westerns i don't know james so okay. western is a genre that is uh defined by like a harsh landscape uh, mm-hmm. and people sort of surviving despite impossible odds um mm-hmm. it, they also have a lot in common with samurai films um mm-hmm. uh, they, they're sort of uh genres that are like uh playing against one another except there's a bigger emphasis over lawlessness and and you know having no masters out here and that kind of being its own issue okay i feel like i might accidentally make okay i'm just gonna go go okay. for it go, don't it. be so nervous I, if, if we uh, need to x card something we can x card okay it. let's say shortly after uh my husband's death i uh gave birth to a child this child was sickly was not faring well health-wise and i one night couldn't take it anymore took it out to the desert and left it there (laughs) yikes that is that is rough god let's um yeah let's see if we can dial it in can we make it less so (laughs) that's just yeah i i think i like the idea that this is your last connection to your husband too right like because did your husband die before uh yes this child passed okay so I, I kind of think water rationing became yeah, a thing. Let's okay. take it out of your hands okay. and say that it wasn't you that that did this to the kid, but mm-hmm. it was kind of the community around you, yeah. which gives you a really complicated relationship with them. Is <laughs> uh-huh. they made the decision that like, no, we need you, a, a strong thirty-year-old woman, right now. We can't mm-hmm. afford to raise this child and someone took care of it okay which Oof, is horrifying now i will say that uh, i would have been a uh, 21 at this point mm-hmm. um but yes okay okay Oof. anyway and sorry no no no, no, no. that's okay. awesome just, that's good okay. we will embrace your ideas Thank and roll you. with them because yeah. that is what this is all about uh can i get reminded of your character's name once more it's bell hemlock Hemlock is just brutal. I, I googled poisonous plants before we started. I'm a hack, um, but a hack? No, the people who come to my table and decide to do nothing are hacks. You have um, tried. Also, you didn't ask, but primarily in my in my bar, the there 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 is one drink and it is turpentine. All right, you're welcome. Goodbye. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's right because like. Water is hard to come by, mm-hmm. so like you have to do. It we'll is figure turpentine. Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One more time, was it turpentine? Turpentine, baby. Mm. Uh, yum, yum, yum. Tyler, okay. let's turn over to you. Do you feel like you have a positive or negative uh, relationship with this community? I feel like, I feel like we have a negative relationship to the uh, to the town. Because uh, a little bit about Flex and Fold. Flex is 17 and kind of came to the town a couple years back and is like, oh, this place is trash, but it's also the only place in town, like the only place that I can like conceive of to build any kind of life. But he just hates it there. And Fold is 53. He's very old. Yes. And he's also kind of like in a similar fashion has seen the town deteriorate. And he knows that even though he is a grave digger, he's like probably knocking on death's door at this point, but he doesn't want to die in casket land. But he, in all honesty, probably has accepted that he will. And so the two of them both want to get out of Dodge, but just don't know how. That is great. So like, yeah, one is a traveler. When, how long ago did he come to casket land? Uh, Flex, he was... Uh, <laughs> I'm over is it F-L-E-X Flex? Yes, okay. yeah, yes. Um, he came into casket land, let's say three years ago, um, cause he was out, uh, doing tricks, uh, in, uh, far away land and kind of got caught. So he had to like, uh, just stow away in a wagon and it just so happened that it was ca- running, uh, coming to casket land. And so now he's like, well, I guess this is where I'm starting my new life in this crap town i think yeah i think it, this place is kind of so brutal that like you're like okay maybe i'll be here for a little bit and then the wagon is like we're not leaving yeah, okay oh okay <laughs> this Ooh. is this is the only place with water they barely have any but they've got some if you want to wander out in that desert on your own you're welcome to it. And ooh, man, like so Flex has kind of been on the lookout for like the next wagon coming through town, but all of the other the only other wagons that come through just land in Casket Town and 
don't leave. Yes, yes. I love that. Uh, so, and Fold is in the same boat, like also kind of wants to, you said they don't want to die here, right? They don't want to die. Fold d- definitely does not want to die here, but he thinks that he, internally, he's probably going to die here. Um, but he's on a similar boat where it's just like any opportunity to leave, they would take it. It's just there's no real opportunities to leave. So let's talk more about grave diggers because you provide a really important service to this community that's kind of specific in that when people die, you have to take them out into the casket land. Uh, the pre- presumably the uh, undertaker has prepared those bodies for death, but you take them out and put them in their final resting place. Um, I think what kind of happens in casket land is the undead can kind of roam free if they're not laid to let to rest properly. Um, and I think it's grave dirt that seals them in. Um, and grave dirt is not a thing that happens until it has been buried in the ground for a series of days. So there is a risky time where you are taking these caskets out of the town where at this point, especially where the way the community's gotten, you're probably taking a couple people out at the same time where they can break free of those caskets and cause a nightmare of problems, which is why there always have to be two grave diggers because you got to watch after it. Right? Yeah. So uh, kind of their their go-to uh, pairing, um, Flex, Flex digs them deep and Fold makes it neat. So Flex is, he's on the lookout watching the the bodies making sure they stay down while fold is sort of driving the wagon out. And so we all know the wagons are like the horses of the wagon are just weak enough to get out to where they're going to like be dug and then get back and no further. So if they, they thought about like, Oh, could we make a break for it that way? Can't happen. Um, so fold is the one that's driving the wagon. Flex is the one that's watching the bodies since uh, Flex is the younger of the of the bunch, he's the one that digs uh, digs them. And while he's digging the graves, Fold is watching the bodies. And then Fold's kind of got a way about like he knows how to break a body, and so he points out like the points to Flex to break to make sure that they cannot reanimate. And so together they are one functioning uh, uh, entity. I have a, a question: How soon after death does reanimation start? Um, uh, it's, uh, 36 hours. You could almost set a watch to it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta move quick yeah. when this happens. And one of the things about the, the design for casket land, as we can see on the back of this map is there are these upstanding caskets, uh, Jeez. which to me thinks like if you are burying multiple bodies, the reason for the upstanding caskets is so you know where there are. So if undead do happen to break free, oh. you can track it back and see how many might still be at large. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. super fucking cool. Okay. Okay. So uh, <laughs> we know they both kind of have a negative relationship with the place. Um, how do you, how do people feel about you? Like, I think people at this point, they want to like flex because he is kind of newer and everyone's trying to be like, he's just making the best out of like a, uh, a bad situation. At this point, people have kind of given up on Fold. He's just kind of like that old curmudgeon man who just like hates on everything and just can't wait to get out. But no, everyone realized like he's not going anywhere. Um, so yeah, people, if a conversation is started, it's because people are trying to identify with Flex. And if a conversation abruptly ends, it's because Fold opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Matt, let's turn to you. Um, and remind me of your character's name. Once character's more. name is Jeremiah McCall. Jeremiah McCall is what you would call the long-term local vagrant of Casketland. Um He's not from this area, but he's been here for probably 35 years. And, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, this 35 years without an actual homestead. He tends to sleep wherever he can find uh, a shady place. Sometimes it's somebody offers it to him. Sometimes he just crawls his way into somebody's barn or underneath their house without them knowing and finds some shelter temporarily. Um, the reason he has no abode for himself is partially he's a very unfortunate looking man. He suffered some injuries at a young age. Uh, his left arm never didn't quite heal right. And uh, 
he kind of uh, tends to, to to spook a lot of the young kids and or the, uh, the those of a, of a more sensitive social uh, right right you know, like disposition. the more proper yeah yeah. yeah exactly but yeah but but he's not a bad person by any means he's excitable and he does he takes a lot of the 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 dirty work the small tasks for the town that nobody wants to do and that's kind of how he makes his keep. Um, though he keeps saying he wants to save up to get out of the town or maybe, you know, plop something down, he cannot stop himself from compulsively spending it on whatever sort of drink he can get his hands on or gambling it away. And he's known to be an easy person to take money from for that reason. So he kind of fills a weird, a weird position within the community as well, where he'll walk into whatever saloon is, you know, partially open or any sort of social space where that sort of you know, gambling aesthetic is prevalent and he'll be welcomed at a table and people will play him up as a friend and take him for all he's worth and send him back out on the street. Um, but uh, he's, that's kind of been in his life for a long time. But as things have gotten harder and harder and things have dwindled and, and tumbled away, uh, he's, and, and I should point out, he's probably in his like late fifties, early sixties or so. Um, he's, beginning to really feel concerned for the state of the of where the town's going and how it's affecting the people around because he's kind of outside of the society and not really a central conversation he tends to be very observant of how things are changing from year to year internally and he feels kind of silenced and held back because he has no impact on that process he just has to watch it slowly wither away with nothing he can do about it Love it. I love it. I want to know. So he, he's lived within the town as an outsider for a, a long period of time. Was there a point in his life where he didn't feel like an outsider? Did he ever belong anywhere? Uh, when he was younger. Uh, the town that he grew up in, uh, when he was young, he was probably in his late teens or so when he had this injury um, that wrecked part of his face and his, his arm uh, and was actually incorrectly assumed to have died from this but was actually in a very deep coma and was buried and Ooh. like that has its own trauma involved uh that you know has, has followed him since but ever since then he's kind of felt a little dejected um oh, like he doesn't I, I have really a real question about that arm bodies reanimate right grave diggers have to stop them from coming back if you were buried alive there is a chance that you, you know, woke up from your coma and that arm injury might have actually been a grave digger trying to put... Uh... That, that's probably exactly what happened. Imagine a head injury that, that knocked him into this coma and then when he woke up, the rest of his injuries were placed on him by the grave digger. Hey, and most of them healed back. Are you cool with Fold being the person that did that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh yes! <laughs> okay, oh, I love it. Holy shit! Um, yeah, uh, oh, I love it. Real quick, uh, just maybe a, in, in this world, like, at what point do like people become gray and like kind of like wither? I want oh. I want fold to be yeah. kind of like, like kind of just like old, and I don't I don't I feel like fifty three might be too young. Oh no no no! I think people. This is a hard living say, world. I'm that definitely we're in. already. Like full head of gray hair at thirty. Okay, so. cool, cool. Yeah, Je- Jeremiah has no hair and is just like oh, really God. weathered skin, Ooh, rough, a rough, deeply rough. wrinkled face. Um, you know, his eyes almost look beady against kind of the the, the swollen brow that's now sunken a bit over the sockets. Oh, I have a very clear image in my head, <laughs> <laughs> and a, a mostly toothless smile. But he smiles often. Oh. <laughs> Creepy. No, no. <laughs> Plus two. <laughs> this rules um addison mm-hmm. uh i think bell knows one of these people well who is it well i just heard him say that jeremiah drinks a lot so i'm assuming it's it's him nice nice okay um so what how do you feel about jeremiah um jeremiah is in your establishment frequently people mm-hmm. constantly take this person like mm-hmm. what is what do you do with that? I think honestly, I even though I know I shouldn't give him anything, I probably let him drink for free. I'm like, yeah. this poor bastard's had enough. Go wrong. Here's some poison. 
Yeah. Obviously, like for your kindness, mm-hmm. uh, since there are so few resources, mm-hmm. someone is paying for that. Yeah. Who does it get passed on to? Is it is it you? Or are you sort of sacrificing your own resources yeah. for this person? I'd say so. That's because I don't have a like. Who else am I taking care of? Right. Yeah. Have you tried to like reach out, or is the best that you can do this sort of? given up some poison i think it's i think it's i think the latter i think also there's like a there's like a weird kind of there's like a weird social pressure kind of the knowledge that if i kind of took him in perhaps or did something kind of more so that there would be maybe social ramifications since he's this sort of outcast this yeah so i want to know uh who flex has a positive relationship with because we got a couple negatives flying back and forth i mean uh with flex has a positive relationship with Jeremiah, mm. um, and maybe even Bell, if only because I think Fold has a bad relationship, definitely with, with Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, I probably don't like him either. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like it's 50-50 split. Um, I think at this point when Flex came into town and kind of got like roped in and was being shown the, the works of like grave digging, Fold probably at one point just very haphazardly just pointed to jeremiah and it's like what you're gonna do you're gonna uh, well we'll find the voice later (laughs) but he'll point it to to jeremiah is like you're gonna want to break the bone better than i did back then and oh my god and in that moment like flex is just like oh and so he's been trying to like just maybe like calm the waters between the two but it's like it's not gonna happen but now it's just like now they're now they're just buds um, uh, I was gonna say, how old is Flex? Too, he's like fairly uh, young. I would say seventeen. Okay, I was gonna say there's like even though the age difference isn't quite enough for it to be this, I feel like there's a maternal, there's a maternal impulse here. Oh, I mean, for, it could. I lost my son. Seventeen. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I if guess I he were thirteen, yeah, I mean, you know, no, in this world, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wasn't thirteen. Um, but yeah, no. But still, even then, it's like. This is a young person who doesn't seem to have any and one looking after him. Yeah, I think I think yeah. to that end, because going back to like being grave robbers and like we kind of steal from the people that we put out there, Flex has a little bit of cash. And so when he comes in mm-hmm. and gets some turpentine, <laughs> he, serpent, turpentine <laughs> he yeah. puts down two serpentine, coins. Serpentine, turpentine, <laughs> full of snakes. <laughs> I love it. No, I didn't get snakes on my, on my aspect at all. <laughs> snakes is one of the aspects you can get. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, anyway. Um, um, but yeah. But I think like yeah. every now and again, he'll pop down like an extra coin to maybe like foot the bill for uh, Jeremiah every now and again. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that. And right. Fold might not pay when he comes in, so this we'll see. This fucking guy. <laughs> all right. I want, the final question that I have for all of you mm-hmm. is why are you some of the last able-bodied people in the town? I, I think because mm. we're going to go on an adventure here and there's a reason that we're sending a bar back, some grave diggers and a gambler. Um, I think Flex is maybe one of the last like influxes of like young-ish blood to the town. Mm. So I think he's just kind of like bribed by just like lack of there be- being a better option. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he doesn't go anywhere without Fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Are there any younger people? The clock has been ticking for on this place for like 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, there probably have been some teens that like were around when things started to go bad and people start started to like stop wanting to have kids. Um, but I, I feel like there's probably not too many people below 12. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's about how old my son would be. Yeah. 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 All right. What, what about bell? Why is bell one of the last able-bodied people in this town? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think, she has like a generally strong constitution. She outlived her husband. She um, like. Did you get also, the same illness as your husband? Or uh, I would say yes. Wow. Um, and also, actually, like she st- she has she isn't like doing great, but she powers through things like hunger, thirst more easily than others because she's honestly a lot of the time just a little bit too drunk to feel anything. So she's, <laughs> so she feels 
like physically better than she is. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And what about Jeremiah? I'm really interested because he's carrying a lot of injuries with him. Yeah. Well, he's also one of the most thrifty and observant. You know, Ooh. where everyone else goes to sleep at night, he's the one who's been watching where they've been leaving any, you know, crumbs of their <laughs> daily things around to be grabbed in the middle of the shadow. He's good at, he keeps himself alive because he does so much, you know, kind of handiwork and small odd jobs here and there. He has a lot of little skills, um, but the reason he would probably be sent partially would probably be a red shirt. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, a, yeah, a they don't mind. We, we, we can get rid of him and possibly keep these other folk yeah. alive. Um. I would also say, actually, this is just a thing I just came up with. Um, anyway, uh, but one of the other reasons she's been around is because she has resources that other people don't have. Obviously, there's the turpentine thing, but I, I think I like the idea. You can swap this down if you don't want me to keep this. But that uh, back when the town was prosperous and things were doing well, her husband was like, I don't know, I don't know terminology for this, but like um, fermenting stuff, making like his own mm, alcohols. Yeah. So she has a certain amount like in a storage. And once that's gone, then who the fuck knows? But like. I, I think like one of the things about old school, like, like e- this is like even moonshine. Yeah, they have th- moonshine. Th- this is even back like in uh, the time of, of founding fathers and whatnot. Uh-huh. Is that water, like pure water, was really hard to come by. Yes, and the only way that people could really drink things is if they fermented something in it and made it alcohol first. Yes, because that would kill off the the microbes. That's why or beer whatever. was safer to drink than water in the Middle Ages. Yep. So yeah, I I think this swill that that your husband made. Mm is the thing that has been keeping this community going. Like he was making it, Mm -hmm. you know, way back before this crisis. Yeah. And when the well doesn't work, we supplement that water with this. It's like the uh, peaches in holes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 Another great Western. That Uh, is my favorite Western. There we go. We found it. We found it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that, I'll stop us. We'll eat and then we'll play this game. Hell yeah. Hey heroes, welcome to the mid-roll. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, This isn't quite the middlest mid-roll in the world. That's because I felt like the most natural break was between the world building and the narrative. We're going to have a lot more narrative-based story for you next week. Before we get back to our adventure though, I wanted to remind everyone that this week, assuming that everything goes according to plan, we are going to launch our Kickstarter for Skyjack's Courier's Call, the newest actual play project on the OneShot Network. Skyjack's Courier's Call is our all-ages actual play podcast about a group of teenaged mail carriers who work on a flying ship in a world full of giant birds. It's a little bit Avatar The Last Airbender mixed with Harry Potter. If you love actual play and you're looking for something softer and more approachable than what we're doing in casket land, or you've got young ones in your life that you want to share the magic of role-playing games with, Courier's Call is a great place to start. You can search out the Courier's Call feed by going to your favorite podcast app and typing in Skyjack's Courier's Call. We've already posted five episodes there. And if you like what you hear, you can help us fund the first full season. If you want to be notified of the launch, just sign up for our mailing list at bit.ly slash skyjackscrew. Before we jump back into the episode, I want to take a quick moment and thank one of our backers on Patreon. This is a name pronunciation correction. Thank you so much to Anton Hagerstrand. If you're enjoying this episode and you enjoy other episodes of One Shot Podcasts, please head to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to be a backer. That's how we fund everything we do on this network. And we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. Thanks again to everyone who already supports us. And a hearty thanks to the new folks who are going to be coming on soon. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. We open on the desert. The bright stars and moon cut through the inky blackness of night like a knife, shining down over rows and rows of sand. It's gathered in small mounds at the base of upright caskets, laid in a sprawling grid stretching out as far as the eye can see into the desert. 
Despite the darkness, the crosses, the white crosses painted on these caskets cut through the night, showing you exactly how much death exists in this place, how many human lives the earth has swallowed up. The wind howls through these caskets, moving sand and debris through the winding pathways that only make sense to the grave diggers that get dispatched to dispose of human beings. Through that howling wind, we hear something else, a crunching thud. We zoom in the base of one of these caskets. We can see sand and dirt being displaced as the ground ripples through the thudding and thumping approaching. Gets louder and louder, displacing whatever wildlife is in the area. I think there might be an owl whose eyes also cut through the night, catching that moonlight, allowing it to beam out through the darkness. It takes flight just as the large object that is lumbering through the casket land crashes to the ground. There is a thud as wood splinters the casket. This large thing then moves away. We can see that there was a body inside the casket, and the unlife that exists within it compels it to move forward just a hand crawling through the darkness as this shadowy, lumbering object moves its way back into the desert, and we zip over to Double Tree, the community that exists in the desert that sprung up around this well that is now drying up. And of course, we get our opening credits, Casket Land. I want to start in on one of the characters, and I kind of think flipping a coin, I feel like a perspective character for this would either be Flex or Bell. Like, they both seem to have a lot of pathos and hope kind of raveled into them. Uh, between the two of you, who, who do you feel is like our opening character? I'll take it. All right. <laughs> all right. We just both made the same face too. I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like one of those things like, hmm, who's going to do it? Where is Flex late at night? Late at night. Flex is at the bar. He's cheating at a card game. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. How has Flex decided to cheat? Flex has four decks of cards that he kind of always carries around so that, you know, with the backs of every card, like every deck of cards is a different color, different styling. And he's kind of got the the go-tos for the different bars in town. And I think tonight everybody is kind of like posted up at Bell's bar. So he is there and Bell has like uses a deck of cards that's kind of like a hound's tooth pattern, black and white. So he's got his black and white hound's tooth uh pattern cards. And so he's trying to sort of insert some queens in a game of Texas Hold'em. I love it. I love it. I well, let's let's actually look around the bar because so we, we we can see him. How confident does he feel about this? He's always insanely confident, whether he actually has it uh, or not. <laughs> How justified do you think that confidence is? I think that he's bluffing. He is bluffing. He is actively trying to like stall out um, a guy, uh, Wendell. <laughs> all right, dude. Already said it. All right, little man. What do you got? Oh, oh, you know, Wendell. You know, I, I ain't. You don't even have to to ask me because uh, <laughs> when I'm done with you, Wendell. And as he's talking, he's trying to like count the deck in his own pocket to find the right card to like swap in. Uh, so I think. Like, in Wendell, you've picked a perfect mark, too, because okay. like, you can see him looking at his cards. He's, mm -hmm. you know, this thickly muscled, bearded guy who, let's say, only has one hand and one eye. Like, he's clearly been through some hell, but like, he's looking at his cards and you can see him counting the the points because he can't mm. read the numbers yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah. mouthing that to himself as he's playing oh, hey hey wait you you need some help you need some help i can help you out if you need it i can read those I cards mean, for you, all right sure i get no no wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute what are you what are you trying to pull i'm here? not i'm not trying to pull anything except uh, uh, a royal flush uh which uh <laughs> you will see in just one second that i have in my hands right 
Hang on, right? Puts it down. Wendell like sort of stands up at the table and like squints at it, leaning in to look it over. He then fumbles through his pockets and he pulls out one of those rules of poker cards, uh, and he like moves down the page <laughs> and like. Oh, oh, oh I remember my over. first game too, Wendell. Mm. Son of a gun! <sighs> he then shoves across the table a flask that has a small amount of water in it. Mm, mm. This is going to taste very good on my palate. Going to be very refreshing. Thank you very much for coming out here. Wendell, you know what? Let me go ahead and shake your hand. Go ahead. I'll bring it to you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Wendell. I don't know how you're so lucky. Mm, you know what? Luck just happens to find me. <laughs> you knock it back. I think, like, as you do it, uh, we can see in the reflection of your flask the warped face of our bar back, Belle Hemlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we zip across the bar over to her. You boys playing nice over there? Yeah, I guess. Yes, I am, Belle. Uh, how about you go ahead and uh, go? I'll be coming over there for another turpentine in just one second. All, all right. right. I just got to finish off all of this glorious H2O. All right, I won't have no fighting in here. It was a nice establishment, all right? We'll talk about fighting. No, Who has right. the energy to fight anymore? Okay. Well, I do, but... <laughs> <laughs> Where is Jeremiah in this place? As this conversation continues into the grumbles, you hear the, the scraping of wood and kind of a, a boot hitting one of the outside steps mm-hmm. as the little bit of uh, moonlight that's coming in at this point silhouettes the somewhat hunched appearance of jeremiah who comes in kind of looking about his eyes a little kind of skittery and he comes up looks around look at this conversation keeps a wide berth then makes his way over to the bar and stands and goes oh, yeah, miss bell miss mm-hmm. um, bell I, I just wanted to tell you i've just been working all day i bought some things if you wouldn't mind giving me some 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 little trade for is i got a about four uh, four nails and i got like a patch of fine cotton it's real Real smooth on the skin there for you. Oh, that's real nice, Jeremiah. Thank you. Let me just, uh, let me see what I got in the back for you. Okay? I, I'll be right here. All right. Hey, how come I'm not allowed to pee in garbage? She just kind of gives him like a dead-eyed. I think you got enough authority here that like mm-hmm. Wendell kind of backs down. He grumbles yeah. into his. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> we cut outside the bar where we see a shambling figure who appears to be covered in bandages. Like you can only see cutting through the darkness of night like a little bit of a glint of an eye. He's covered in rags that hang around his body. If you were close enough to smell him, he would have this deep, umbrous, earthy scent to him with a hint of sweet rot behind it. The figure shambles through the night, Various bits and bobs that he's collected and pinned to his chest clanking against one another. He makes his way slowly through the town and past the tavern to the gathering place at Double Tree, where the life tree and the death tree sit interlocked in a permanent embrace in front of the large dais where, until ten years ago, water flowed freely. He stumbles his way up the rickety staircase that has been built with wagons and bits and bobs of houses that have burned down and seen other tragedies weighed against them until they became nothing more than community property. And he reaches his unsteady hand towards a rope attached to the bell. He rings it, and we can see in a bird's eye view of the town, lights start to wink on in casket land until the whole community is awoken and makes its way to the congregation point. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back with more from Casketland next week. In the meantime, if you're looking for other great gaming shows to listen to, try out one of the other programs on the One Shot Network. One of my favorites is System Mastery. On System Mastery, hosts Jeff and John review old, out-of-print, or outdated edition role-playing games. 
They dig deep into the wildest mechanics and settings that you have ever heard. And one of my favorite parts about it is it's like sitting in a room with some of your funniest friends talking about some of the most wild nonsense imaginable. If you're like me and you love to discover new role-playing games, but don't have time to dig into those dusty old discount bins at your local gaming store, System Mastery is the perfect podcast for you. Just head to your favorite podcast app and search for System Mastery. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And this week, I want to remind everyone that it is an election year. Make sure you and your loved ones are registered to vote. Even if you've registered in previous years, there are some states that purge voter rolls between elections. So you might have to re-register. Also, given the circumstances of the world this year, it's a really good idea to register for an absentee ballot or to vote by mail. If the election swings around and it's okay to go out to the polls, you can always show up at your local polling location. But if social distancing continues, you'll be happy that you've got an absentee ballot waiting for you. So get registered and get involved. Thanks, heroes. Music and sound effects for this week's episode of One Shot were provided by Soundstripe. For a full list of the music tracks used, please refer to our show notes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.